Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another fantastical episode of the FinTech Friday podcast. I apologize for the hiatus that we kind of went on. I was working on some background aspects of the show, uh, everything, all, all good things, just things to make the show that much more valuable uh, and that much more enjoyable for every single one of you guys. And uh, I'm going to be rolling out the announcements um, in the next coming episodes. And yeah, I'm super excited to share all of that. And yeah, think of this as uh, season 2.2 of the show. It's only going to get bigger and better from here. Uh, we have some amazing guests lined up. And speaking of amazing guests, welcome to episode 31 with Jason Saltzman from Gowlings WLG. Thanks so much. Happy to be here, uh, man, Steve. It's uh, great to uh, be on this uh, amazing podcast that I listen to all the time. Awesome. That's, uh, I mean, I love, I love to hear that. So, Jason, just for, I guess, the five or six people that may not know essentially who you are and what Gowlings does, could you just give us a quick run on Yeah. So, my name is Jason Saltzman. I'm a partner at the law firm Gowling WLG. Uh, Gowlings is a law firm that's uh, global. We have uh, about 1,400 lawyers around the world. We're in every major business center in Canada. Uh, we're also uh, throughout Europe, uh, London, uh, Germany, a number of other offices in Europe, as well as we're in the Middle East and uh, in Asia. Yeah, and my practice is on the corporate finance and uh, security side. So I basically Perfect. help uh, all kinds of uh, companies raise money, access capital uh, from all the early stage entrepreneurs all the way through different investment rounds up through uh, going public transactions and, of course, in uh, new asset classes such as uh, alternative finance, anything from robo-advising, peer-to-peer lending, and cryptocurrencies. We're seeing a lot in the space of pretty much crypto companies going, just having crazy valuations, doing amazing things in the space. And I guess my question to you, my main question to you is, as a law firm, what are you guys kind of looking for to take on a robo-advisor company, a peer-to-peer company, a crypto company? I guess, like, what is their list of qualifications that they kind of fill out? Like, what, yeah, I guess, like, what is your quick little checkmark or checklist of things that you, you, you are looking for, um, if not personally, but I guess as a law firm, um, for these companies to have? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we're open to working with all kinds of clients, everything from large blue-chip companies, and we act for many of them here in Canada and globally, but uh, we know that a lot of these big companies, they started somewhere and they've started from the entrepreneur and they've grown. So it, uh, it is not uncommon for us to work with uh, good quality st- uh, startup companies and mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and those that have uh, amazing ideas uh, that we uh, see the growth potential in and we want to be with them from the ground floor and, and, uh, and work with them and, and, and whatnot. So, you know, we're open to all kinds of inquiries from from entrepreneurs that think they have uh, neat ideas. Uh, we're particularly invested in the fintech space, which is everything from uh, financial technologies mm-hmm. to blockchain technology to uh, alternative finance, as I mentioned, and and uh, entrepreneurs that have uh, these amazing ideas. We want to hear about them and figure out how we can work together. So um, th- there are a lot of amazing fintech companies here. Um, I guess how... I, yeah, I, I guess specifically when it, when it comes to, since you are working with so, so many amazing companies, um, you may you may not have to give specific names, but I guess what 
excites you about this space? I mean, as, as a law firm, as as somebody kind of standing a little bit more outside, going a little bit, uh, but also very much in the details, what are you very much excited about in the space? Yeah, I mean, I, I love working with uh, um, innovate, innovative companies with great ideas that solve uh, big problems that are disruptive. Um, uh, you know, I've been uh, a lawyer for on Bay Street for 22 years, oh, working with all kinds of traditional industries, everything from mining and and uh, natural resources and, you know, early stage technologies as well, but in, in a different era and, and life science. But when, you know, fintech and, and alternative finance and blockchain came around, it was like, wow, this is like just a greenfield of, of so many new disruptive ideas. And, uh, and it's a great opportunity for a law firm to say, okay, like, you know, we're just on the cusp of this new industry. And, you know, law firms, you know, they have this image of being old and staunchy oh, yeah. and, and... Especially on uh, Bay Street. Especially, <laughs> especially on, on Bay, Bay Street. Street. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, as, as, as we see the world evolve and, mm-hmm. and new technologies go from small companies to very big players and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, we want to be part of it. And, um, you know, we found that just by immersing ourselves... Uh, and myself personally, um, in in these ideas, going back now four or five years, myself personally, particularly mm-hmm. on you know crowdfunding and alternative finance and crowd finance and and um, and whatnot, that you can vary by by working with these companies. You 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 have more experience than your competitors, That's and true. you're immediately going up the chain in terms of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I started working with some great organizations like the NCFA. And whatnot, where I've gone to events, I've, I've I speak, I write, I participate on the advisory board, and I've met so many wonderful people through uh, my uh, involvement with the organization, mm-hmm. both companies and and uh, investors, you know, those in the ecosystem who support or want to be part of the industry, and and it just I just keep coming back for more because it's yeah. so interesting and exciting. Yeah, no, I, I, get, I get it. Like every day um, is something very exciting, um, especially uh, c- comparing it to traditional Bay Street where everything's a little bit much more slower. Today, everything's a new adventure and that's probably, it, it's just fun. It's very amazing. So with, I mean, I'll, I'll hit on blockchain as a legal firm, right? I mean, there's definitely a lot of blockchain innovation in a lot of spaces right now. You're seeing a huge, um, huge, I guess we'll call it overhaul uh, in the in the insurance space. Um Blockchain definitely has a role in the legal system. It, it definitely does. It has it plays a role in government. It definitely plays a law, um, the role in law. What does blockchain in law look like to you? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. And um, as far as how uh, what we're seeing uh, as a law firm, mm-hmm. um, uh, we took a, a, an early adoption in this industry and back in. I'd say 2017, right. we set up a, a blockchain group and, and my partner Usman Sheikh has, has become uh, a leader in, in blockchain law and uh, I've worked very closely with him and my practice in the corporate finance and security space, you know, we saw in early 2018 and, and since the emergence of ICOs mm-hmm. um, and initial coin offerings and and, and whatnot, and we, you know, sensed that there would be uh, securities law and mm-hmm. regula- regulatory issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so our group, you know, mobilized to see how we can support the entrepreneurs who wanted to use, you know, non-dilutive financings like an ICO yeah. to help grow uh, 
you know, to access capital and help grow their business. Um, so we worked uh, with many interesting uh, entrepreneurs who had great ideas, um, try to navigate the, you know, the securities law system. And, you know, we took many companies through the Ontario Securities Commission, through their Launchpad program and through, through those in the other provinces and tried to advise them on the best way to approach. Of course. Um, their model in a way that is compliant and and whatnot. Of course. Um, so you know we saw a lot of opportunities on on the security side, but but also you know apart from securities, I mean our our firm does everything from intellectual property, you know whether it's patents or mm-hmm. trademarks, mm-hmm. and we've also been dealing closely with companies that um, may not have uh, sold their tokens in a compliant <laughs> way and helping them now through the through the process on the other end. So yeah. We, We've been helping a lot uh, there, um, but uh, and also just general technology law when you're you know setting up uh, websites and making sure you have your terms of use and of course. and uh, and when you have a white paper, making sure that that's compliant and makes sense. And you know a law firm can be a friend in making sure that yeah that 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 works out of well. Course. So 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 we we've, we've become a big believer in, in blockchain. Our our group has grown to about 100 professionals um, uh, worldwide oh, wow. uh, within our global platform mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, who uh, have some aspect of blockchain to their practice. Of course. Um, and uh, we stay on top of de- developments in the industry to ensure that, um, you know, we, we, we speak, we write, we participate mm-hmm. at events. Uh, but also, you know, we're trying to figure out the best, like where it's going to go and how blockchain can actually be integrated mm-hmm. into the practice of law. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned insurance and yep. other industries. Yeah, and, for sure. And, you know, so we're always, we're understanding it's, it. it's exciting. We understand the technology yeah. and we want to be where it's going. Yeah, no, I mean, as you, it's it's kind of a relief to hear that uh, not only do you guys uh, make sure that everybody's kind of covered before their ICO is not compliant, but after as well. It's kind of like, <laughs> hey, whoa, whoops, we just lost X amount of money or like these 15 things were compliant. Like, or like, okay, cool, you guys can actually help. That's that's a side of relief to, I'm, I'm assuming, a, a yeah. few, few audience members for sure. Yeah, and we can advise, uh, you know, those who want to uh, get in the business of that as yeah. what they need to do to do it in a, in a compliant way, whether it's, you know, some in, for some companies, they want to register Absolutely. as dealers and make sure they're doing it right, yeah. get whatever relief they need from the regulators yeah. and, and um and whatnot. So yeah. we, you know, we we can help. I no, I, I agree with you. I mean, like compliance is really, uh, <laughs> it's a really funny thing, especially in this space because since the space is so brand new, it's kind of like, hey, you know, we can kind of do whatever we want. Not well, not really though. There's uh, there's still some terms, there's still some like rules that you still have to kind of follow. You can't just it's it's not an open playing field, right? Yeah, that's right. We've seen that evolve. Like a, a yeah. year ago, when um, when ICOs were first coming mm-hmm. on the scene, everyone would say, well, I can do this because. Somebody else just did Absolutely. this, and we would say no, and we were always like the party poopers, and yeah. say no, guys, you got to be careful here. And, of course, uh, and so now we've seen it yeah. evolve to. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, it's, it's very important. Like you did mention uh, on the top of the episode, that like you guys are you guys work with these companies, right? You guys aren't here to hinder their innovation. You're not here to hinder their technology. You're not here to in- hinder anything whatsoever. You're just making sure you guys are, you guys are navigating through the right waters. Make sure, like, okay, hey, there's a storm coming. Be kind of careful. Let's veer left a little bit because you know we want to stay away from that, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's that's very important. I mean, I don't think, um, um, like you mentioned, I think I think people and companies are slowly understanding that now. 
right. that you guys can work alongside of them. That this 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 change is not a radical cut from the old world. It's it's, it's more of a hybrid. So like you guys can work together to kind of create something Co- amazing. Correct, and 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 because we've have gained a lot of experience uh, with the challenges that the mm-hmm. entrepreneurs have faced mm-hmm. with the current regulatory regime, yeah. we're able to take our stories that we hear from our clients and and together with under, other industry participants like the NCFA mm-hmm. and 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 others be you know be part of a community Absolutely. where we can you know have an open dialogue with the regulators and who very much want to hear from all of us Absolutely. And, and they they've they've said many times they want to work and and yeah. and listen to what people have to say and see you know maybe they can do something that's better so yeah. So, you know, we I think we're still in the early innings of, of where this is going to go from yeah. a regulatory point of view. But but I think there is definitely a movement towards something that makes more sense yeah. for the industry. It's, it's actually it's, it's kind of funny because you think that uh, regulators are not as open to have a conversation uh, with many of the entrepreneurs, with many of the law firms, with one, many of the people that are in the space. But they're, they, they, they show to a lot of events. They come, they speak. They're like, hey, if you have any questions, like, feel free to come by. And they'll, they're by all means, they'll sit down with you. They'll understand your problem, why you're, where you're coming from, and then they'll try to work with you. And then and talk about, okay, well, this is kind of where the red tape is, or this is why we can't kind of do this yet because yeah. we don't know X, Y, and Z yet, which is it's, it's hilarious. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's pretty <laughs> funny. So um, I'm going I'm to shift gears here a little bit. We did very early on in the, uh, in the show, we talked about smart contracts. That was probably one of the very early topics that we ever talked about. Um, since I am speaking to another lawman, um, what would it – what is your take on smart contracts and or what would okay what do you need to see to for Gallings to kind of take on a more of a smart contract initiative yeah i mean we're we're certainly open to it we we see that that's where the world's going there's yeah. going to be more and more smart contracts coming so um, you know we'd like to um, try to understand the technologies that are being proposed that would be uh, form the basis of that smart contract in question, so so we can assess as to you know uh, the validity mm-hmm. and the enforceability mm-hmm. and how it will execute and and where the um, pitfalls or risks may be with that contract. Um, um, but we uh, you know we're all over we're all over it and and we you know are interested in in learning about them and and. And seeing how they'll be adopted in a more mainstream of course. practice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, traditionally law firms are like big steamships. They're hard yeah, to navigate, and you got to go through lots of bureaucracy. Um, you know, I think fortunately, you know, we have dedicated teams mm-hmm. in this area yeah. who, and the firm has invested in the area and is a believer in the area that we can move quicker when it comes to these Absolutely. kinds of opportunities. But, you know, but like anything else, we need to understand it. And, and, of course. But we have, uh, the good news is we have like a, such a significant technology and intellectual property group with mm-hmm. all kinds of engineers mm-hmm. and computer scientists mm-hmm. and and people who are much smarter than me on, yeah. on, on <laughs> technical technology. For sure. Um, then uh, you know they can they certainly bring a lot of value to these kinds of companies. Yeah, no, I mean I, I think it is incredible that you um, that you guys have actually decided to put actual manpower behind it because it's not just all talk. It's kind of like no, we actually have a team um, around it that are every day they're on top of it, they're learning, they're understanding it, so they can come back to us. It's like hey. This is how we're going to navigate this. This is the game plan for X, Y, and Z. So you can kind of hit the ground sprinting, which is it's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, and and that's what's exciting about it. I Absolutely. mean, we have like the team is just you know uh, you know men and women. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Absolute, absolutely yeah. wonderful uh, professionals <laughs> who you know who really enjoy working with uh, entrepreneurs in, for sure. in, in the innovation area. So you do and at many of the events that you've been to the events that you sponsored, the entrepreneurs that you have on board that you've been talking to. Um, I guess. What would be your best advice to them on how to set up a proper business structure when it comes to setting up partnerships? Because these, these are brand new founders, right? These are, these are people that have an idea and they want to build something, but they don't know how to build it. That's what, that, that's what they come to people like you. What's your best advice? To these yeah, people. like, and, and that's a great question. Like, in, in 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 many cases, you know, we come across entrepreneurs who have a great idea, and, and then I'll say, okay, like, what do you have a business structure yet? Mm-hmm. And, and they say no, and, and we say, okay, well, that's great because you know we always want to know who our clients going to be. Is it going to be the individual? Is it going to be a company that already exists and who's involved? And you know, we have very strict uh, know your client mm-hmm. uh, procedures under the law society before we take anyone on. So it's it's always good to know who we're dealing with, and and in cases where it's just an individual, the 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 first thing we generally advise the individual when we take them on is okay. Do you, do you want to set up as a partnership? Are you doing this alone? Are you, are you doing this? Want to do this through a corporate vehicle? And and there are many different reasons why you would choose one thing over another. Sometimes it's tax driven. Sometimes it's it's uh, jurisdictionally driven and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But you know the simplest form is we we generally advise setting up a uh, either you know an Ontario or a federal company. Put a little, you know, get a name for the company mm-hmm. so you have an a, a, a a kind of umbrella, an identity, yeah. absolutely, and, and whatnot. And that company gives the entrepreneurs, you know, some advantages uh, in terms of, you know, mostly a lot of uh, entrepreneurs set up through a company, so they have personal, so they don't have personal liability. And they exactly, can, yeah, they can sort of have, you know, limited liability through their company, and then the company can go ahead and and. And do things and, and and whatnot. Generally, when there is more than one founder or entrepreneur involved in a business, then uh, when the company is incorporated, they both become shareholders, uh, or it could be more than two. But however many there are, they become shareholders, and then we'd assist in putting together like a shareholders agreement, which basically governs how the shareholders operate uh, amongst themselves. And you know, basically, no one person can sell his or her shares unless the other one has the first opportunity to buy them and because you need to know who your partners are mm-hmm. you can't just go ahead and set sell up a company willingly. and then sell your shares and yeah, exactly then leaving the others with partners <laughs> that they didn't desire and yeah <laughs> and or not know right just like wait who's who's greg i don't remember greg before <laughs> that's right yeah so um so we we assist you know with every aspect of from the incorporation to the organization of the company to setting up the shareholder agreement and uh, but then also, you know, what's the next step for that company? Is it raising equity mm-hmm. uh, before you do like an ICO mm-hmm. or something like that? So it may be you go to some friends and family investors and we assist with the documentation and ensuring that the business, when it's selling the equity, is complying with mm-hmm. securities law, has mm-hmm. a prospectus exemption and, and, and that kind of thing. And then, you know, we'll help with the various rounds. And if there is you know, an opportunity to do an ICO, then we'll advise about that as well. And, and, you know, as I said, how to do it in a compliant way. And as the company grows, there's different opportunities, whether it's, you know, a merger and acquisition, buying yeah. another company, or, you know, maybe it goes public. Yeah. Uh, and we saw some blockchain uh, technology companies, companies go public. In mm-hmm. fact, 
uh, our firm acted for the first one nice. uh, quite a few years ago. Um, and sometimes we see these structures like in a reverse takeover where they yeah. they don't just go public by an IPO, but they get acquired by a public shell company mm-hmm. and, and, and a share deal. So we certainly can advise on all of that stuff too. Right. So ideally, you want to make sure you, from the jump, get set up so you can, I, if you're going to be, if you're going to go public, get built so you can become public. Yeah, absolutely right. Because uh, there's a lot of work that goes into becoming public, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, and and the habits form early, right? Yeah. Like you know, entrepreneurs and I work with many of them, um, and you know, usually things happen so fast in an entrepreneurial world, which is great. But mm-hmm. but sometimes that's the corporate records yeah. <laughs> and financial statements and things like that lag a bit. So there's there's always you know everybody sort of has to you know. Uh, get their act together yeah, quickly to sure. be in a position to go public, but certainly it's never too early to develop those good habits and and uh, have records in place. And that's everything from you know if you're taking on employees, having your employment contracts, having your IP protected, having you know any if there's any disputes, settling all of those yeah. in advance and and whatnot. Because if you if you wait too late to the end. Of the go public process and, and things come out of the woodwork, then that's gonna, it's gonna get look in the way rough. of your plan. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. look rough. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you you did talk about how okay. So now we have a business structure, right? We know how we know how we want to get it built. Uh, now the next step is say raising money, right? We can take it to the traditional way where we can talk to VCs, we can go to a hedge fund guys, we can go to some of your old friends at Bay Street, 100. percent But say if we want to take it, we want to be on this new wave. We want to raise money through peer-to-peer, through crowdfunding. What would be your best advice to companies if they are considering taking that uh, route um, so they are 100% compliant? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I'm sure it's one that's on the top of every entrepreneur's mind is where's the money going to come from? Of course. Um, And, you know, there are only so many... You know, friends and family uh, members that are, yeah. you know, that you that you want to take money from. Because, mom's mom's yeah. only mom's only going to give you so much money. That's right. <laughs> so um, so let's talk about um, crowdfunding first. You know, crowdfunding is actually very exciting. I mean, it's something that really burst on the scene probably about um, five years ago or so. And you know, there there are uh, some great crowdfunding platforms and portals that that are available that help uh, companies. Um, raise money in, in different ways uh, using, you know, in a compliant way in Canada using ex- existing uh, exemptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these platforms are, you know, I've known for quite a long time. There are different exemptions that they use, whether it's the accredited investor exemption where they seek money on their platform from accredited, accredited investors only, which is, you know, it's a more limited market in the sense that uh, there are only so many accredited investors who in the world who are, or, or in Canada yeah. who are willing to invest. But you know the benefit of of going to those um, uh, types of investors on a platform is is that it's quicker and easier, and and there's fewer information you need to provide, and uh, or less information that you need to provide. And on the theory that an accredited investor has enough money that he or she can afford to lose it yeah. and and can take care of him or herself. But, you know, there are some other exemptions that the platforms use. There's the offering memorandum exemption. Um, the offering memorandum exemption, unfortunately, varies by province because in Canada, we don't have a national securities regulator, as I'm yeah. sure many of your listeners know. Yeah. Um, so we're fragmented and have to deal with it on a, you know, by complying with the patchwork of the different provincial uh, regulations. The good news is there is some harmonization, but we're not quite there yet. We're moving in that direction. But 
Um, the offering memorandum exemption, like in uh, British Columbia, you you can give a British Columbia an investor on a plat uh, on a platform just an offering memorandum and, and a risk acknowledgement form, and they can invest. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in Alberta and Ontario and some of the other provinces, you give them an offering memorandum and a risk acknowledgement form, but there are limits imposed on. Uh, the investment based on the net worth of that investor. Of so basically anybody can invest up to $10,000 in those provinces, uh, but then there's a concept of an eligible investor, which you don't quite meet the high standard of accreditation that an accredited investor would, but you meet sort of a lower test, and then you, but then you could only invest up to $30,000 or maybe 100 if you get a letter from your broker or, <laughs> or whatnot. And then the offering memorandum itself there's some work that goes in in drafting it. It's basically got to contain you know full information about your business. It can't contain a misrepresentation. Um, but one of the big challenges for a small company that wants to use that exemption is that you also have to have audited financial statements yeah. uh, put in that offering memorandum, which for a small company paying an auditing firm is is not a good use of your resources. Not at all, no. Yeah. So yeah. so that's sort of a, a challenge with the current use of that exemption. There's also a, a crowdfunding exemption mm-hmm. that uh, the regulators had come up with, you know, specifically dedicated to use on these crowdfunding platforms. Um, it hasn't really been popular because there were, you know, pretty tough restrictions on the ability to advertise uh, the investment. So no one has really been using that. But the good news is, is and this is an example of the regulators listening to the industry, and, and they've come back with some new proposals that the industry is now considering, and, and maybe we'll move into something a little bit easier there. So, mm-hmm. but there are some, as I mentioned, there are some great platforms that are sort of using all of these exemptions, and they've set it up to assist in the drafting of your offering memorandum and assist in navigating the different exemptions in the different provinces, and and they're registered as as dealers to enable to operate. I'd recommend looking into some of these platforms and seeing if that would be an option for your company because uh, they exist and, and some of them are, are doing quite well. As far as uh, uh, robo and ICOs and whatnot, I mean, robo-advising is, is not a way to raise money, but it's a way to, it's a way to get involved and invest your money. And yeah, certainly there's some great uh, sites out there that do... Um, you know, they certainly market a lot and, and whatnot, and they have all the registrations they need, and and uh, they seem very interesting and, and and whatnot. And then on the ICO side, I mean, ICOs. What's interesting about that for a company is, as I mentioned earlier, it's non-dilutive. You're not selling equity in your company. You're selling a token. The token might have some kind of functionality. Could be used on the platform. Could you know value could go into that token, which could you know, later be sold on an exchange and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But there are challenges because there aren't any recognized exchanges right now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think we're past the point of debating whether the token itself is a security or not. I think the regulators have, have become quite clear that, you know, and a lot of people think that the regulation isn't clear, but <laughs> I would tell you it is, that the, the regulators take the position that, that in most cases uh, these tokens are securities, under you know established common law tests, and therefore you need to sort of comply with the same exemptions that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Or do a public offering under a prospectus, but where no one's quite taken that leap uh, as of yet uh, in a successful way. 
but you know the idea would be that if you navigate the exemptions then you can do it and there are some token companies that have received that do use exemptions and have seen have received relief and and they're operating in a compliant way but then what do you do with your tokens how do you trade them on an exchange that's not recognized yet yeah. so I think we're early days in the in the industry still. I think there'll be a time when all that gets flushed out, and we're all and then you can, in a sense. Yeah, when Absolutely. when there will be exchanges that mm-hmm. operate, whether it's existing exchanges that have added you know crypto to their business or new crypto exchanges that have gone through the regulatory process. I think we are going to get there because there's no stopping the desire on the part of the industry to move in that direction. No, I I, I absolutely agree with you. So. Before we wrap this up, my last question to, to you would be, aside from all the amazing things we talked about, right? Robo-advising, smart contracts, blockchain and law, Bay Street. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what are you most excited about in the space? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally just love the ideas and working with uh, the people and the entrepreneurs and you know, let's face it. Uh, you know, I'm getting a little bit older, and yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it's fun to uh, you're not to, that old, Norris, but yeah, <laughs> it's fun to meet you know some real bright entrepreneurs that have amazing ideas that you know open up a new world. And you know, for us, it's it's you know, for me personally, it's working with the people and and learning new things. So to be in an industry where it's all about innovation and and new things and you know, moving from the old ways of doing yep. things and things that are disruptive. I mean, that's, to me, that's exciting. That's, I mean, that's awesome. So, uh, Jason, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. And uh, super excited to have Pleasure. you this was This was great. And uh, yeah, and again, thanks again for the opportunity. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Fintech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest Fintech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and Fintech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment fintech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org.